Part of the requirements of 75 hard are that you read 10 pages from a hard copy book. And I bought this book almost a year ago, so I'm glad that I'm doing this challenge because now it's forcing me to read it. And the book is called Recovery Dharma, How to Use Buddhist Practices and Principles to Heal the Suffering of Addiction. And I met one of the young ladies last year, the girl that I bought the book from at a recovery conference. And she was getting ready to kick off her own podcast. I did reach out to them since. I haven't heard back yet, but I'm going to try to get them on the show. But I thought in the meanwhile, I can kind of highlight where I'm, where I'm at with the book and, and share with you what this recovery dharma is because it, it was intriguing to me. And the more I learn about it, the more I'm only like halfway through the book, maybe a third, but I'm aligned with a lot of the thinking of it. So I'm going to share with you some, some key points and we'll go through a little each night trying to stay in my 10 minute window that I never seem to be able to stay within. (laughs) So what is recovery Dharma? The word Dharma doesn't have a single English meaning. It's a word in the ancient language called Sanskrit, which if you meditate, you might have heard that word. And it can be translated as truth, phenomena, or nature of things. When it's capitalized, the word Dharma means the teachings of Buddha and the practices based on those teachings. So Dharma kind of encompasses all of that. And it shares how Buddha... Sorry, a train was going by. It shares how Buddha didn't speak about addiction specifically, but he he understood how the human mind worked and how it could be obsessive. He understood our attachment to pleasure to avoid pain. Like, if that doesn't describe my gambling, I'm not sure <laughs> what does. Maybe same thing with alcohol. Attachment to pleasure to avoid the pain. So he understood this. And what I like about this concept is instead of it being having the addictions in silos, it really it recognizes the process addictions or the behavioral addictions, as you might have heard them called before, in addition to the substances. So in, they recognize sex, gambling, technology, codependence, shopping, food, media, self-harm, lying, stealing, and obsessive worrying. So there's a lot of things, and they didn't even mention porn, which I know is also another uh, process addiction. So I like that sense. You know, like I love GA. You guys know I love GA, but the fact that there has to be a, a GA, an AA, an NA, an SA, an OA, uh, it's just kind of maybe maybe this would be a little bit more united. That word united just keeps showing up yesterday, this morning. It's crazy. Anyway, so the, the basic pr- 
principles from, from Buddha are called the Four Noble Truths. And it shows how practicing, um, practicing the Eightfold Path, which is the toolkit for dealing with the challenges for both early and long-term recovery. I told you I'm not going to read you the whole book. I'm just going to kind of tell you the overview. So what's essentially involved in the practice of Dharma recovery? The first word, of course I cannot pronounce, guys. Renunciation, maybe? Renunciation. And this one I am going to read to you because I don't, I'm not familiar with this word. We understand addiction to describe the overwhelming craving and compulsive use of substances or behaviors in order to escape present time reality, either by clinging to pleasure or running from pain. So that's the essence of it. And so this would kind of be like their 12 steps or their recovery program, so to speak. We commit to the intention of abstinence from alcohol and other addictive substances for those of us recovering from process addictions, particularly those which complete abstinence is not possible. Like if you have a food addiction or a sex addiction, you can't like go the rest of your life without those things. They also identify and commit to boundaries around those behaviors. So with, with the help of either a mentor or a, a therapeutic professional. So it's a pretty, pretty nice foundation, I think. So some other things involved in their practice. Meditation. So they commit to meditating every day. They use it as a tool to investigate actions, intentions, and reactivity. And it's a personal practice. Meetings is the next tool they use or piece of their practice. Attending recovery meetings whenever possible in person or online. Some may wish to be part of other recovery fellowships and Buddhist communities. So it sounds like they might, if they wanted to go to GA, they could. In early recovery, it is recommended to attend a recovery meeting as often as possible. For many, that means every day. They also commit to becoming part of the community, offering their own experiences and service whenever possible. So I love that. That makes sense. That would be GA's equivalent to paying it forward, or step 12, where you, you know, you pass on, you share your experience, strength, and hope. The next one, which is part of what's intriguing, and we'll work on this a little bit more, is the path. We commit to deepening our understanding of the four noble truths and to practicing the eightfold path in our daily lives. So we'll get into the four noble truths. And part of what made me want to read this book like sooner than later is the first um, live book that wasn't an audio book during this practice was the fact that when I went through that ditching the booze class with recovery elevator, not too long ago, the, I think I told you guys about Patrick. He's the, the fella who has a whole lot of theology experience. And he actually referenced this book when he was talking. So that, of course, intrigued me more. Okay, the next piece of their, their practice is inquiry and investigation. They explore the Four Noble Truths as they relate to their addictive behavior through writing and sharing in-depth, detailed inquiries. 
These can be worked with the guidance of a mentor in partnership with a trusted friend or with a group. As they complete their written inquiries, they undertake a hold they undertake holding themselves accountable and taking direct responsibility for their action actions, which include making amends for the harm they've caused in the past. So again, very similar to the step work. I'm hearing a lot of things that are relatable to the the step work, you know, making amends, you would you would write stuff out, you would talk to your sponsor. So there must be some validity in these practices, guys, right? If if they show up in all these different forms. Sangha. Sangha? Someday when I grow up to be like a yoga instructor, I'm really going to struggle with this vocabulary. Sangha, wise friends or mentors. I'm going to read it to you the way the book says it instead of trying to translate it as they are. We cultivate relationships within a recovery community to both support our own recovery and support the recovery of others. After we have completed significant work on inquiries, established a meditation practice, and achieved renunciation (laughs) from our addictive behaviors, we can then become mentors to help others on their path to liberation from addiction. So Sangha, to me, sounds like the equivalent of a sponsor, essentially. When, when, when mentors aren't available, a group of wise friends can act as partners in self-inquiry and support each other's practice. And the last one, well, geez, I love this one, is growth. We continue to study the study of the Buddhist practices through reading, listening to Dharma talks, visiting and becoming members of recovery and spiritual sanghas and attending meditation or dharma retreats when we believe these practices will continue to our understanding and wisdom we undertake a lifelong journey of growth and awakening i'm like really excited about getting into this you know trying to understand it a little better and i'll be honest i have what i call i call it the brain train so if i'm reading a page and I see a word, the word triggers a thought, and that thought leads to another thought, which leads to another thought, and all of a sudden, I'm four pages later, and I don't know what I read. So thank you for letting me share this with you so that I get a deeper understanding because it's slowing me down and helping me digest and interpret as I work with you on this. So we'll keep that close. We'll get into the noble truths, and, and then, like I said, there's some good question work In the book, too, so instead of just traditional step work, we'll do some of that on our evening adventures, and I'm not going to put a timetable on this the way I do with the steps. I'm just, some just Gambler's Anonymous traditions, I just like to, it was the way I learned, so it's the way it should be, like lining up the seventh step with the seventh month. It's just, I'm a creature of habit. So, all right, I didn't go do too bad. I'm only a couple minutes over. So thank you for having an open mind and trying to grow with me and learn new things. I'm going to check out now, and I will be back in the morning. If you've gained value from this or any other episode or my show in general, I would super appreciate it if you left me a review or subscribed or a rating, rating or a review. This really helps... um, get get the show in front of the people who need it you know if, if someone puts 
gambling addiction in their search engine for a podcast, there's still other podcasts, some that don't even have to do with addiction or they might only have one episode. It's really crazy how the internet works, guys. So that's why I keep asking you for help because I want to get at least the resources. And again, if somebody doesn't like me, that's fine. But I know that between my social media, my show notes, all that, we're going to get resources in front of everybody so that they can make their own decisions. So really continue to use your help with that. I appreciate you. I love you. And I will chat with you guys in 12 hours or so.